Hello, I'm Hannah Heading and you're listening to Well Worn Pod, the show all about style, sustainability and secondhand. Hello, lovely listener. Welcome back to Well Worn Pod. I'm very excited to have you tuning in. Today on the show, I'm delighted to speak with Lois McGrewer-Fraser, Creative Director at Lois Hazel. Lois launched her brand in March of 2015 with the intent to create honest women's wear, partnering considered design with wearability. Lois has set her brand apart by prioritizing ethical and sustainable practices and has long been a respected voice on this subject. Lois, I am so excited to chat with you today. The first first hand designer, I would say, on the show, which is very exciting. Could you introduce yourself to us? Tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Cool. All right. Well, it's very exciting to be your first. (laughs) I was like, what am I, designer? Yeah, I I think, yeah. (laughs) I've had other people who create things out of secondhand garments but I would say that you're the first their designers definitely so I get a brand you can call call me a brand um so yeah my name's Lois I'm the founder of um Lois Hazel sorry my dog just jumped on the couch we love an extra guest she's in a funny mood tonight (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah I launched Lois Hazel back in 2015 prior to that I did a um, four-year degree at RMIT studying fashion design and during my studies I was really really lucky I got to um, have some really great opportunities overseas but it was really during this time that I started to understand like the industry what it was about and that kind of made me want to uncover it a bit more because it's pretty dirty in terms of ethics Mm. and sustainability so I really delved into it and I wasn't like like you know passion for fashion like (laughs) kind of girl but I I think I liked to shop. I liked the idea. I loved going in and and putting clothes on and and you kind of create these people. Um, But as I learned more about how to make clothes, how to pattern make, I learned more about fabric. Mm. I was like, how on earth are people selling clothes for so cheap? And I couldn't put them together. So I delved further into the industry and I was kind of like, this is not good. Like this industry is so Mm. bad. Like Mm -hmm. how are we how are there people at one end of the industry making so much money and someone at the other end of the industry living below the poverty line? It didn't make any sense to me. So after graduating, I was really lucky to go abroad. I did some internships. I kind of started applying for jobs. And um, my now husband, my partner at the time, he was back in Melbourne Mm -hmm. and we had this dream of moving to London together because he was studying acting. And um, obviously that dream became didn't really become a reality we're like oh this is going to be really hard and also the jobs on offer weren't exciting to me so yeah I decided to return to Melbourne and that's when I launched kind of went in and started to figure out well if I'm going to start a brand I want to do a brand that's honest that's transparent that is accountable for everything that I produce Mm. um and so yeah I I started I did a um, niece course I did the research and um yeah in 2015 I launched Lois Hazel. Amazing it's really interesting because you've got (laughs) quite a unique perspective in having studied fashion it's that sort of behind the scenes look that the everyday consumer Mm. doesn't necessarily have the access to. I'm curious to rewind a little further and to talk about your initial attraction to studying fashion was it something that you were passionate about from a young age how did you get there? It's quite funny. I remember my first day of uni, the teachers asked this question and I was just like, oh, I just ended up here. Like everyone had these amazing stories. 
stories right. and I was like, oh, I don't know. Like it was actually my best friend who is still my best friend. She was the one who wanted to be a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. I was like the sports not even. I was a creative kid, yeah. but I had no idea. I didn't think about my future. I was kind of just like I enjoyed art, but I also enjoyed sport. Um, and she was like, hey, I really want to do this like vet course, which is like an extracurricular yeah. course um, in high school, and it's for clothing production. And I was kind of like, eh, all right, like that sounds fun. I want to learn to sew. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. So we did the course together, and I really enjoyed it. I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. So we did that for two years. And when it came to year 12, um, I, for my Viscom, was it? Oh, yeah, it was my Viscom, I decided to make my year 12 formal dress, oh, which is amazing. hilarious because it's like this four-layered dress with in gold. It's it's so funny. I've kept it just to look at it and be like, that is like the opposite of what Lois Hazel is. Right. But, um, and when it came time to start applying for university degrees, I was like, I can sew. I enjoy design and fashion. Mm. Um, I never considered myself fashionable. Mm -hmm. I definitely was not one of those girls in high school that other girls would look up to. Like I wore my brother's clothes for most of my younger years. Like he was my fashion icon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I did enjoy, you know, I wish I was, if anything, I wish I was more confident to explore more of that. But Mm. I was still like, oh, I can't wear that, but I want to wear it, but I can't. Mm. Um, so, yeah, when it came time to apply for university, I put down a number of um, fashion degrees and mm. I got into RMIT, which I didn't expect, but I did. And I guess I kind of see it as like my – I just kind of followed it and it just led me here, which I'm really – which sounds so wanky, <laughs> but, I, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's – Here I am. That's really sweet um, and – Really interesting, actually, that you would find an interest and passion for something like that later on. It it wasn't necessarily, you Mm. know, something that you dreamt of your whole life. And yet... Not at all. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So... I feel like that gives hope to a lot of people who feel the same way. Mm. So I want to talk a lot about the brand and better understand how you established it, because just saying you launched your brand in 2015, I'm sure there's a lot more to the story than that. Um, But before we get there, I want to know a bit more about you and your philosophy on style. Now, you say that in high school, you looked up to your brother and wore his clothes. And that's, you know, how how as much of a sense of style as you probably had at that point in time. But what does it look like for you now as a founder of a brand to explore and enjoy style, especially in an industry that's still really catching up to the whole ethics and sustainability thing? Mm, Definitely. I mean, I've always been a comfort dresser. Like I, if I'm not comfortable, I feel really insecure and like uncertain about myself like it's interesting like yeah if I wore something that I felt a bit too tight in or like was a bit too short or I just didn't feel myself in I my day would be ruined not ruined but I just wouldn't be myself Mm -hmm. and I think I bring that through to Lois Hazel because I enjoy I enjoy dressing up but I want to feel good and I always use the story of me like I love heels I I can appreciate high heels but I only own one pair Mm -hmm. of heels because I can't justify them in my wardrobe I can't I'm not like 
I'm the type of person that if I'm going to buy something, I want to be able to wear it every single day. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because my husband, I bought a new pair of boots recently and he's like, don't wear them all the time. You can't ruin them. (laughs) I've literally worn them every day since I've got them. Um, Because if something is easy for me to put on and I feel good, and of course I want to enjoy it and I want to have it with me on my daily journey. Um, So I think I've brought that through to Lois Hazel and I want my customers and the people who wear my clothes to have that same experience like knowing that my customers put on my clothes and they they automatically feel good in Mm -hmm. them is the best thing to know Mm -hmm. um and I know like when I go shopping if I put something on and I just have that feeling of like I feel really good in this you want it and you and you're gonna wear it way more than something that is just for an occasion yeah um, so I think style wise, that's the direction I design with that idea. So it is sometimes I do try and be more ex- like explore different kind of dynamics of fashion. Um, but I always feel my strongest sellers are when I'm like, just be comfortable. <laughs> but that's such an interesting thought though, isn't it? That if you don't feel comfortable in an item of clothing, you don't feel confident and how much mm. of an impact that can have on your day you know on your mood on how you feel about yourself and how you interact with the people around you I think that's a really powerful thing Uh, yeah and I mean even as as the female body like we bloat we sweat Mm -hmm. we you know we throughout a day you you weigh different Mm -hmm. you you so it's like and I know it's sometimes after I eat a meal I get really bloated and I'm like oh I feel really like but so if I wear a piece of item that kind of just flows over that but still I feel sexy enough in it I feel like that's a win. Mm. So then when it comes to your own wardrobe, is it full of Lois Hazel or do you branch out? What else do you wear? I'm curious. <laughs> I, I'm i terrible. I, I'm i not a huge shopper. Yep. Um, so right now I'm wearing a pillar dress, which is from the current range. Yep. And it's blasphemy. My, so my husband used to work at H&M years ago sure. and he bought this gray jumper that I'm wearing and he bought two. He bought one for me and one for his mum. Mm-hmm. And I literally, I think this was about five or six years ago. I wore my gray jumper to death. I should have kept fixing it. Like the, the elbow was like, had a hole yeah. in it. Um, and then I was so sad when I was like, I can't keep repairing this. And his mum was like, I haven't worn my one. So now I'm wearing her gray jumper <laughs> from H&M. And I, I, but mainly, um, I do mainly wear Lois Hazel just for ease. Yeah. Um, but I'd also like, I have a huge network of other designers, yes. um, my friends who have other brands and often we'll do like swaps and trades and, or I'll save up. Like I've been really enjoying Nag Nata. They're oh, this yeah. beautiful brand in Byron Bay. Amazing yeah. And for stuff. my birthday this year, I got a gift card and bought Ooh. myself my first pair of bike shorts from them. And so good. they're the comfiest things yeah. ever. Oh, that's amazing. And what are these boots that you just bought? Where are they from? <laughs> they're from Country Road. <laughs> Do you know what? But I actually feel I've been like really proud of Country yes, Road totally. lately. So I'm I'm so supportive of what they're doing. As a sh- I look up to them as yeah. a brand at the moment. I yeah, I have no qualms. I'll shop from Country Road because I I feel like I can see really active steps in the right direction. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and they're not doing it like look at us, look at yeah. all the great things we're doing. They're just doing yeah. it, and I'm like, yes, thank you. Like, don't be a brand that's like doing the tiniest thing and then telling the entire universe mm-hmm. they're they're taking they're doing great stuff as a small brand they're a really great example of what a big brand can mm. and can do and and can respond to how the world needs to change totally yeah I really I mm. agree I think they're doing some cool stuff what's the most mm. loved item in your wardrobe would you say 
Hello, this great jumper. <laughs> well, yeah, like, you're on to number two. Fair enough. Um, mm, it's just, Isn't that it's, funny? Um, Something about it's, it's it. comfy. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, throw, I mean, especially in winter. In summer, I would actually... I'd say... Um, this is terrible. It's one of my rib skirts from from last season it's just an elasticated wasted organic cotton yeah. skirt it's four paneled and it's it's just I love things that I can just throw on mm-hmm. and walk out the door in, and and that is that and I just and I can also chuck on some nice shoes mm-hmm. my one pair of heels <laughs> <laughs> with that skirt and um so that would be my other favorite thing but yeah comfy clothes amazing <laughs> I like the grey jumper. I think it's a great grey jumper. It's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great grey jumper. Actually, I do have a question because when I was trawling through the Lois Hazel website just before we got on to chat, there's a photo of mm. you on the about page and you're styling someone else and you're wearing a really oh, big yes. jumper in that photo, which looks amazing. What? That's amazing. So that's by Lil Knits oh, and yeah, she cool. knits them all herself here in Melbourne. Yes. And I do have that. That's like my special jumper because it – it um, pills, yep. not because it's poorly made. Like no, it's a hundred percent wool, wool. Yeah. Um, and so it pills a bit. But and also all my threads when I'm at the studio, like I'll, if I wear it to the studio, it just gets destroyed. Totally. So it's like I can't. Yeah. I have to resist. Like that's an item on my wardrobe that I'm like, no, Lois, like <laughs> wear it to nice things. Like don't wear it to the studio. You will ruin yeah. it. <laughs> that definitely looks very special. That's a beautiful jumper. Mm. Thank you. She's very talented. So who would you say, if you could narrow it down, you mentioned having some friends in the designing community. Do you have a top three favourite Australian, maybe, designers? If we want to narrow it down. Definitely. Not even in fashion. So Symmetry, she is in the same studio space as me and she makes the most beautiful handmade leather bags. Oh, amazing. Like, they're absolutely incredible. And I have two of them. Again, it's really dangerous because we, we tend to swap yep. a lot and we have like my partner, he's been like, not allowed any more bags. <laughs> and I, okay, <laughs> She's um, incredibly talented. Um, Mosey Me, she does bedding. She's also in my studio. I'm very biased. I just... She's no, in, they're both awesome. incredibly talented yeah. women, and I think um, so. She designs and hand paints everything, but she gets it all digitally printed over in India just for cost mm-hmm. sake. Because if she was to do it here, uh, it would be very expensive. Yeah. Um, and the third, oh, I can't, I can't pick three, but I'll, I'll quickly run off. So there's like ABCH. Yeah, She's cool. an incredible basics brand. And then there's um, Dominique Healy. Yes. She also does some really beautiful, uh, beautiful things in Sunshine Symbol. Yeah, I'm really lucky. I've got such talented friends around me. Um, yeah, it's hard to just pick three. Yeah, no, that's amazing. <laughs> that's a good problem to have, to have so many come to mind. We'll link them all in the show yes. notes as well so people can yes. check them out. Um, I hadn't heard of the first two that you mentioned, so that's really cool. Uh, let's talk mm. a bit about Lois Hazel. I want to know the story of uh, how the brand came to be. You said you were applying for jobs. You moved back to Melbourne. You launched this brand... Was it something that had been a thought that maybe one day you would branch out and and start your own thing or were you more imagining yourself working for a design house somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, yes and no, I think. So when I graduated, I was really, really lucky and I won an award to go to Paris. And when I was in Paris, I got accept- I got approved for a grant that allowed me to move to Amsterdam to intern and... Um, when I was there, I 
had the idea that I wanted to intern for this one brand and hopefully get a job. Mm -hmm. So I worked really hard. And then I kind of got to a point in that internship where I was like, I'm not happy with the way this business is run. Like I didn't like how the person I was becoming, I was becoming really grumpy. Um, so I left and, um, kind of pursued other things in Amsterdam and worked with, um, some artists and another menswear designer. And as I was doing that, I started to apply for other jobs. Cause yeah, I still, I, I didn't see myself as like a designer. I really enjoy the process of making. And so I was kind of like, oh, I'm not, I'm not a designer. I just, I enjoy making things. I like that idea of, of problem solving and, um, looking at fabrics. So, and then I started, yeah, looking for other jobs in London and, and mainly I was looking in the sustainability space. Um, and all the jobs that were kind of coming up were like behind computers. They were like, you know, very technical, not technical in what I enjoy, but technical in like Excel. And I was just like, I can't see myself doing that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to enjoy it. I want to be creative. I want to be hands-on. I want to be making, I want to know the makers. I don't want it to be an internet relationship. Um, and so kind of, yeah, when that moment came to return to Melbourne, I think I was like, screw it. Like, let's just give this a go. And I'm, I was really lucky that I had the network. I had the support of my family there. Yeah. Like I was able to move back home with my parents. Yeah. Um, I was able to do the NICE program, which is the new incentive, new enterprise incentive scheme, mm-hmm. which is a government run program to help you start a business. And so they financially support you. And then I was able to get through that alone. So I think I, I, was really, really lucky that I, yeah, I had my parents' support, I had my family's support, I had financial assistance through the government to then start this. And, um, yeah, it slowly, slowly kind of developed. And I had a part-time job at a fabric store for the first couple of years of the business. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, when it came to the point where my manager, who also runs, she does, she's left and does Sunshine Symbol, which is a really beautiful brand. She kind of sat me down one day It was like, what are you doing? Like you never, you always keep trying to get your shifts covered. Like you need to quit. <laughs> She's like, you just need to go. And yeah. she was the one that kind of pushed me to go full time. And um, yeah, it was really funny how it's kind of just, as I say, like that progression of things just kept happening and it's just, it just kind of happened. Yeah. It's just been really nice. That's amazing. So from launching, um, did you create all of these pieces just at home yourself? Was it a one woman show? Did you have a lot of help from people around you? What did it look like practically? No. So when I first, one thing I made strong, I was like, I can never have a home studio. Sure. I needed a space outside of my home. So I got a studio. I did all, I mean, I've always done all the patterns. Only now have I started outsourcing. There's a girl in my, um, studio space where I'm at who does pattern making and I've slowly started to be like could you quickly whip this up and it's I'm like oh wow that's so quick and it's so perfect you know what you're doing um but when I started I literally did everything and I think the best advice I ever got was um, my final internship in Amsterdam was with a menswear designer and there was a graphic designer in the building and um I sat down with him and I said, I, you know, I'm thinking of starting my own brand. Like, what advice can you give me? And he was like, see your business as a seesaw. On one end, you've got time. On one end, you've got money. And they're going to be extremely unbalanced. You're going to have way more time at one point than money. So you need to be like, how many hours do I need to work mm-hmm. in order to survive? So I was like, okay, so I need three days or four days at the fabric store. So I have three days to work on Lois Hazel. Um, and, and 
ever so slightly that you know the seesaw started to kind of become more balanced that I was starting to earn more money from the business and I was at the fabric store that's when I was kind of able to leave and start to kind of really outsource more so before I would say 80% of production was done in-house by myself which is crazy now I think about it but now I would say 80% is is outsourced to local factories Um, and we work with a really beautiful factory literally up the road from my studio called CGT and they produce majority of our um, our range which is so incredible that I'm at that stage now in the business it makes me it makes me really proud that I'm able to through my my small business I'm able to um give other people work and that's something that I've really wanted to be able to do even though it's a tiny bit of work and if I was gone it probably wouldn't (laughs) make a difference but I'm like yay (laughs) no that's really exciting and definitely something to be proud of and I'm sure took a lot of persevering on your part in the early days too oh Definitely. There was a lot of um, (laughs) breakdowns on the couch and weekly. I want to give up. I hate this. Yeah, absolutely. I know just even personally, you can have a good idea and think, you know, there's something to this and I'd love to pursue it. But the reality of actually doing that looks quite different. So kudos to you. That's awesome. Mm. Um, When did you notice for Lois Hazel that sort of shift on the seesaw where you did start to attract a bit of a customer base and people started to hear about you was there a particular moment where things started to ramp up I think it was when we started to do wholesale properly so when we started to really introduce the brand to stores and stores were buying into the brand and selling our brand in in their stores and I think obviously the the number one thing is that you now have a wider audience but they were Mm. willing to invest in what I was doing and they believed in what I was doing they believed in the style which not only gave me financial support but it also gave me that kind of confidence of being like oh wow people actually think that what I'm doing is good and it was really nice and then we got signed on with an agency and they've really helped grow the brand but I think also it was that take of like leaving my full-time not my Mm full-time my part-time job at the fabric store when I didn't have that um Mm. safety net if everything failed I had I didn't have it and um that kind of was like fire you know up against me being like I've got to make this work like however possible I have to make this work but I always was like whatever I do to make it work I still want to make sure my values are there like I I never want to you know be like oh no I want to make a quick buck here and there well let's just go do this on a dodgy like it was always um even if, you know, at the end of the day, I, again, I'm very privileged. I've got a family who, if everything yeah. failed, I can move in with my parents. My husband mm-hmm. now has a full-time job. He's fina- He's able to financially support <laughs> me if everything went, yeah. you know, bottoms up. No, so. absolutely. Um, it's, it's really exciting to hear that progression and to hear of the hard work that goes on behind the scenes as well, because I think sometimes we can have rose colored glasses on when we look at a brand like yours and we can think, wow, it just worked out for her. That's Definitely. awesome. Oh, hundred percent. And I'm only ever yes. going to put my yep. best foot forward on Instagram and on social media, because I think if I went on social media and I was like, oh my gosh, guys, I can't pay rent this month. Can you buy stuff? No. Like that's not a look, good look for the brand. So um, I think like, it's not easy. And sometimes I see other brands come out of the woodworks who I'm like, where did they come from and why are they doing so well? They've got 10 times the amount of stockists that I do. They've got X, Y, and Z wearing their clothes. But I think for me, slow and steady is what I want to do because slow and steady allows me to make sure that I'm not getting blindsided by success and I can Mm -hmm. be true to my values. And I think at the end of the day, I would rather a brand that's 
taken a long time to really, you know, I mean, I still pay myself such a small wage, but um, I would rather go slow and Mm -hmm. make sure I do things well. So I set the foundation so that if I do get the opportunity to be big and have a huge team, um, it'll be on those really strong foundations of values yeah absolutely because you see as consumers become more and more aware of the realities of the fashion industry and demand that brands do better for so many bigger businesses now they have to go back backtrack and figure it out from the start and you know have to rework their business model yeah there's um it was Marnie who runs Elk and she said to me once she was like you know They've been going for a long time and, and, and she did this really good, um, I forgot the word, but anyway, she was like, you got to see the business, their business as a big, big ship and they're trying to turn that yeah. ship around. She's like, it's not going to yeah. be a quick like U-turn, um, but mm-hmm. you've just got to commit to that and you're going to have got to commit to all the hardship you're doing when you're trying yeah. to turn that huge ship around, but you've just got to be focused mm-hmm. on your destination. And I was like, that is such yes. a good anal- analogy. <laughs> that's the word. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's why I feel like, you know, tracking back to country road or a, a big business like that, you know, if they're going to take the time to mm. make that a priority, then that's awesome. Like I'm here for it. It's so good. Yeah. Keep supporting them. For sure. <laughs> I want to talk about another aspect of Lois Hazel. You've got this beautiful page on your website called Community and you talk about your commitment to showcasing Indigenous talent um, in any way that you can and you've done it in various ways in the past. I think my favourite example is this beautiful fabric that you collaborated with an Indigenous artist on. I'd love to hear more about why this is important to you and why you want to have that as um a real key part of the Lois Hazel brand. Definitely. And there's so much more I need to do in that space. Um, I've only skimmed the surface, Mm. um, but I was really fortunate that I was given the opportunity to work on a project called Design Within Country, which Mm -hmm. is up in Fitzroy Crossing in the Kimberley. Um, I was approached a couple of years ago and it was really funny because when I was first approached to be a part of the project, I was like, oh, I don't know really what this is about. I don't have time for it. Um, but they were really persistent. Um, and through that, yeah, so I was able to go up to Fitzroy Crossing. I was able to work in a studio called Marnin Studios and we worked with a group of Indigenous artists, women, local women, yeah. um, and we created a fashion range together and I met some amazing women and they were so inspiring. And to be honest, because I... I only moved to Australia in 2001. So I didn't mm-hmm. really know much about the history here. And then I, through this this um, engagement with Design Within Country and with um, Mine and Studios and with the community in Fitzroy Crossing, I was able to learn a lot more. And I was also to see firsthand how Australia has treated its First Nation people. And it's mm-hmm. appalling and it's mm-hmm. heartbreaking. And you see how incredibly creative they are mm-hmm. and as someone I'm like okay well what's my I'm fashion how can I use fashion to help and so it's still trying to figure out a way that's going to be long term and not just like a token I did a collaboration um and it's and it's hard because I did that beautiful collaboration with my friend Leanne who Mm -hmm. um did the print and I remember I got really excited I was like I want to do more I want to do more but it's about finding a way not just to kind of like it be explosive but rather for it to be like really building the roots and letting letting them go down and and so that we can continue to do it rather than it just being like a uh, you know I'm losing my words but you know what I mean like that like explosive thing but making it long term so I think I don't know I just think I live in this country 
I am very privileged to be here. I experience the top care. I experience this country at the top as a white woman. Mm. I can't I can't ignore the fact that if you know, like there are people who have been here and who own this yeah. land and who deserve to have way more of this country than I do. So I mm-hmm. think through what I do, I hope to try my best to like in, engage with that community, but not in a way that benefits me, but yes. in a way that benefits them. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it makes mm-hmm. for a really interesting conversation more broadly, doesn't it? Because it's hard to even kind of talk about it in this context without it sounding like, hey, you did a great job, Lois. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I'm like, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. all her. Yeah. I was just lucky that I was facilitating that. And that was yes. even like in our recent campaign, we worked with um, a First Nations makeup artist. And that was yeah. something in my mind that I was like, I need to do more of that. It's yeah. not just about doing things that make me look good, that make the brand look good, but things that are mm-hmm. going on behind the scenes yeah. that are giving jobs that may not be offered there because of reasons beyond my control or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just... Yeah. And I think that's why sometimes I find it hard when you see these big brands do kind of huge collaborations, but then I'm like, cool, you did that once what's Mm. next like how Mm -hmm. are you going to continue to engage with this community so I think and I have a really great mentor who was the one who kind of reached out to me to be a part of the design within country and she's so Mm -hmm. passionate about long term um and making sure that it's not just a quick fix she's like now we got to like figure this out again it's like that massive ship that we've got to turn around and as a white woman walking into an indigenous space I'm like this is how we do it in Melbourne (laughs) in the middle of the city coming out to country it's like oh it's not done like that out here so we we I need to relearn um and I need to figure out from them and I need to learn from community how I can help them rather than it being about me yeah, I mean, it really is just a key part of this conversation yeah. around ethics and sustainability. It's so much um, broader than we realise at first. And like you mentioned, you know, how, working with a, a First Nations makeup artist, it's all the things that people don't see in the same way that you really value transparency along your supply chain and all of the other things that you do to ensure mm. that your brand aligns with your own values. A lot of it isn't on display for the consumer to see but you do it because you have a conviction to do that you know that that's what's right and exactly good. and sometimes it is hard because you're like oh wait do I should I be like telling everyone I'm doing but I'm like no I'm not doing it to, to <laughs> no to get a cl- yeah. tap on the back it's like this is yep. just how it should be um totally and I know sometimes there's probably marketing opportunities missed but I'm like I'm not doing mm-hmm. it for that and I think I, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of brands yeah. out there that are like that and they probably get so frustrated again this country road I love that they've used indigenous models of all walks yeah. of life in their campaigns and mm-hmm. I think again that's showcasing that because I think often like Australia has this like I boxed idea of what an indigenous Australian person looks like yeah no yeah. <laughs> like all walks mm-hmm. of life you can't we can't be like mm-hmm. oh an indigenous person like my friend runs Jira models and she said sometimes she gets clients coming to her being like we want someone who looks like this like they're not dark enough <laughs> that's what and they she's look like, like well they're indigenous <laughs> yeah. like why do they yeah. have to look that Just way to tick a like, box yeah that's oh, <laughs> so not right some really important thoughts there I think a lot for mm-hmm. us to consider and to consider in in who we want to support mm. as well um because even if it's not the story that is shared um prominently via social media you know that you're doing all of these little things along the way that are really important 
how good to be able to have a conversation like this every now and then where, you know, if the question's asked, you've got a good answer for it. Yeah, 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 I guess so. I want to know how you hope people feel when they wear a Lois Hazel piece. Um, I think what I said before, like I want them to feel good. I love... And I remember when I was younger going shopping and trying on clothes, I always had this memory of these pants. I think it was from like Rip Curl or some surf store and I tried mm-hmm. them on and I was like, I feel so good in them. But they were like $100, which at the time I was like, they're so expensive. Um, yeah. And I was like, no, I can't afford them. And I went home and I dreamt about them that night. And the next day I was like, mom, mom, I really want to go buy these pants. Like, and she's like, no. Nah. Like, I think I, I don't, I can't remember exactly. Anyway, I ended up getting them and I, again, I just felt so good in them when I put them on and Mm -hmm. I want people to feel that. Like, I want people to put on my clothes and be like, yes, like I feel great in this. Like I, and it's not even just about the fact that they feel amazing in it, but also I want them to be like, wow, this is made from organic cotton or this is made Mm -hmm. by blah, blah, blah. I can go on her website and I can see exactly where it's from. Um, Yeah. I want people to feel a part of the garment's journey and I want them to feel proud. Um, I know I get really excited about it. (laughs) No. Oh, that's awesome. It's, it's kind of interesting to juxtapose that with no shade to your H&M jumper, but you kind of recoil a little bit in sharing that that's where your jumper's from. Do you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. It's so funny. I do. I'm like, oh, awkward. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. But I guess what you're kind of getting at is the hope that somebody enjoys wearing the item of clothing, that they feel good in it, but they feel excited about the story attached to the garment too. A hundred percent. And I love it when I get messages from customers. I think the other day on Instagram, a girl messaged me and she was asking about sizing and she's like, oh, by the way, I've, I've still got one of your dresses from your like third collection you made. And she described it to me and I was like, oh, I know which one you're talking about. And I was just like, oh, that makes me so happy. She's like, I've got it repaired a few times, but it's still such a huge staple in my wardrobe. And I was like, oh, That's that's what I want. Like I want my clothes to be passed down. I want people to be like, yep, this is from, you know, you can't get this anymore. (laughs) Like it's gone. (laughs) That's so special. I love that. That's a really sweet sentiment. Mm. Lois, to finish us off, I would love to hear your thoughts. We've touched on it in different ways throughout this chat, but to sum it up, what do you hope the future of the fashion industry looks like? I want it to like sound how it is today. So they're not a sound how it is today. Like I always think I don't want sustainable fashion to be a thing. I don't want ethical fashion to be a thing. I want fashion to just be that. And I think I don't want there to be separations. I want a brand just to be, I always want people almost who have no care in the world about where their clothes are from or no care in the world about the environmental impact of clothes to buy my stuff because Mm -hmm. I want fashion to just be that because if fashion was just that then I think this whole industry would be so much better like if you could just walk into a Kmart and be like I can spend my money on that because Mm -hmm. there's things put in place that ensure that everything down the supply chain is ace everything is tight people are getting paid well the fabric where it's come because I think in ethical fashion it's a really hard thing like my stuff's not cheap I always say like if I was a customer I probably couldn't afford to wear Lois Hazel so I think there needs to be a degree of you know different levels and I think stores like Kmart and H&M that sell clothes that are affordable but you want to be able to know that any item of clothing that is in this world is thought about is 
is even though it's left the yeah. like I always say even though my garment has left my studio and it's now in the hand of the consumer I'm still responsible for it so I want every brand to still be responsible for their garments so I think that's why mm. I'm like I don't want ethical fashion to be a thing I don't want sustainable fashion to be yeah. a thing anymore I just want that to be fashion <laughs> I think that's a really good place to finish up. I hope so too. I think that um, that's a lofty goal, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, <laughs> something well worth pursuing and hopefully we see um, many more big businesses taking the the very difficult steps to making those changes in their supply chain. I think, chains. I think yeah. Country Road are a great yeah, example totally. of a big business who are caring. And that it's possible and even, changes. you know, that even if – things weren't quite on track that you can go back and rewrite the story somewhat and and seek to do better and learn and become educated and make a change exactly and also podcasts like yours like the fact that people Mm. are having these conversations and you're taking the time out of your day to talk to people like me and share it with your platform I think that's gonna make change down the track so I think it's so important to do these conversations we never know who's going to listen to this and go oh my gosh (laughs) yeah absolutely hopefully it sparks some more conversations between people who never have even thought about this stuff exactly Lois (laughs) I want to say a huge thank you um I really love and have followed your brand for a number of years now and have heard you speak at different panels and things like that over the years too um, and followed your story so it was a real treat to get to chat with you Um, I'm a big fan so thank you for making the time I really really do appreciate it oh thank you Thank you for listening to this episode of Well Worn Pod. I hope that you enjoyed that chat with Lois just as much as I did. As I mentioned on the show, everything that we talked about will be linked in the show notes below. So head down there if there's anything that you want to explore or find, including links to the Lois Hazel Instagram page and website. Please do check her out if you haven't already. Also, be sure to show some love to Well Worn Pod. You can follow us on Instagram. We are at Well Worn Pod, or you can subscribe to our podcast on whichever app you're listening to. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll be back again soon.